here today and uh, certainly, uh, certainly excited about what God has in store for us on this wintry Sunday morning. And boy, it's certainly wintry today, isn't it? A lot different uh, than it was just a week ago. But again, we're glad you could be here today. We're glad you took the time and the effort to be in God's house. And I trust before you leave, you'll be able to say as the psalmist did, it was good when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to the book of Philippians again. Philippians chapter 3. If you were here with us last week, we began in this particular passage and started in a part part 1 of a part 2 series. I don't know if we're going to get through part 2 today. I'm not convinced of that at this point. It seems that it continued to grow throughout the week, but uh, we'll see where we get to today. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, we're going to read through, the, through verse 14, and then we'll continue on, and we'll give you a little bit of background, uh, summarize what we had discussed, and then move forward uh, this morning. There in chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, the Bible says, well, let's start in verse 7 again, I do this every time, don't I? But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which also I I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, in Christ Jesus. Again, the Apostle Paul is one of the great figures in the Bible. And uh, he's likely the greatest Christian that ever lived, or at least from the standpoint of many. However, he was not always that person that we refer to and discuss and talk about uh, in our church services. Uh, Prior to becoming a Christian, the Apostle Paul was named Saul. If you do a study of the A man by the name of Saul, there would be a number of them in the Bible, but this particular Saul was one that was diametrically opposed to Christianity. He was responsible for a number of atrocities against the people of God. He literally hunted down, savagely beaten, and drugged them off to prison where there they would remain, or at least for a period of time. And it often, at times, it may even lead to uh, their very death. So the Apostle Paul was not a real nice guy when it came to believers. He truly was an enemy of the cross. But while he was traveling to Damascus, while he was going there to once again present papers and ultimately reach down and grab some of those believers and haul them back off to Jerusalem, throw them into prison, separate them from their families, he's met by Jesus Christ. There on that road, his life would forever be changed. He met the Master that day. And he would go on to win scores of souls for the Lord Jesus Christ, begin a number of churches and pen 13 books of the Bible during his lifetime. His legacy stretches down even to this very day in our generation now. Today we read about the Apostle Paul and his influence even today. Paul had counted all things but loss in order to have or to gain the Lord Jesus. In chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, we noted that he listed his credentials. He said, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, he said. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And we said that he had somewhat of a ledger. And in that ledger, he said that his credits, or to his account, he said he had his background, his character, and his religion. As he looked back on his life, he could only think about the fact that, yes, indeed, I was brought up the feet of Gamaliel. 
I mean, I have a tremendous background, a tremendous education. He looked at his character and he said, I followed through with everything I was told to do. I was a man of character, integrity. You could count on my word. So when I was given a job, I'd finish the job. I'd fulfill the task. He said, my religion, I was zealous. You needn't find or look any further than me because I carried it out to the nth degree. Nobody was more zealous in his faith than the Apostle Paul, or so it seemed. So to his credit, he saw himself as one that had a tremendous background, character, and religion. On the other hand, the debit was Jesus Christ. So he had a credit to his account. It was his background. It was his character. It was his religion. And on the other side of that ledger was Christ. And of course, we know that he hunted down Christians and that he ultimately threw them into prison and persecuted them. But when he met Jesus Christ on that road that day, all of a sudden, everything changed. Now, in the credit department was Jesus Christ. And in the debit department was his background, character, and religion. Now what he counted gain was now all loss for Jesus Christ. He was willing to do without it. He's willing to go without it. He's willing to put it aside and throw it behind him and burn it in the trash because he had Jesus Christ and Christ was worth living for. In Philippians 3, 7 it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. So we find in our passage that Paul was no longer trusting in his own righteousness. He was no longer trusting in the deeds that he performed in order to earn favor with God. But he's now depending solely, completely on Jesus Christ alone. The apostles' desire, his longing, his, his real focus and goal was to finish the race that God had placed before him. To do it on behalf of Christ in such a manner as to win Christ or obtain the prize. And he wanted to fulfill God's purpose for his life. He sought that purpose. He had been confronted with it and he, he sought after it and now he pursues it at all costs. He wants to be Christ-like. He wants to experience what we noted last week as the resurrected life while living on earth. We had noted that that resurrected life had to do with the, the, the second coming of Jesus Christ or the rapture of the church in which all the born-again saints will be caught up together and taken out. And at that time, not only will they be removed from this world of sin, but they'll also receive a new body in which now the flesh will be done away with and eradicated completely, totally, 100%. And Paul says, I want that life now. I want the resurrected life today. I want to live a life eradicated of the flesh. I don't want to be ruled by my flesh. I want to be ruled by the Spirit of God. I want to have victory over this flesh. I want to go forward for Jesus Christ, pleasing Him every day of my life. And He wants to obtain and reach that goal. And he strives. He works at it. And I believe as a result, the Apostle Paul is a tremendous example of how to reach our full potential for Christ in this Christian life we live. And so therefore, we wanted to consider and began to consider four aspects of the Apostle's life that can benefit or better equip us for the journey called the Christian life. And last week we noted Paul's discernment. We saw there early on, it said, he said, Brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended. And all we said was is basically that Paul had a very profound attitude of humility he, he, he reiterates the fact that he's not arrived yet, that he has not measured up, that he hasn't attained to that ultimate goal that he chooses or desires or longs for. The Apostle Paul acknowledges this reality in his life. And although his goal and his desire is to please God and to walk according to the Spirit, he has to admit, when he looks deep down inside, that he has not reached that summit. He has not obtained that goal. That although he may be and probably was the busiest man in the ministry at that time, although he was preaching up a storm, although he was starting churches and writing a large portion of the New Testament, he was still simply a sinner saved by grace. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen now. The Apostle Paul is the pen 
that God is using to write this passage. He says, of whom I am chief. If there's a bigger sinner in the world, I don't know about it. I'm the chief of sinners. If I look in the mirror, all I see is sinner on my forehead. And although there may be harlots and there may be those in the world that are wicked and sinful in the eyes of the world, when I see myself in comparison to a holy, righteous, perfect God, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. We saw His discernment, but we also began to note His determination. He says, this one thing I do. He says, yeah, brother, and I count on myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. <laughs> you know, as we mentioned last week, we said we're very prone to living divided lives today. We kind of have a part in the world and a part for the Lord. We find ourselves rather ambitious toward the material things, toward worldly gain, and sadly start minding earthly things. We're quick to settle for a worldly calling. But in the process, we forfeit the benefit and reward of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, our calling as believers is a heavenly calling. It's an eternal calling. It's a rewarding calling. And it's a, the greatest of all callings. By the way, Paul, what is that one thing that you do? You said this one thing I do. What is it then? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Wow. Now, by the way, Paul's not saying that I can't remember my childhood. He's not saying that I can't remember my, my famous second grade teacher, Miss Melanie. She let all the boys give her a kiss as they left the room. She was very pretty. My wife's not here yet, is she? But all the boys would line up on the chalkboard side and, and, and then, then they'd all line up and she'd say, now if you want a kiss from Miss Melanie, you have to line up on the chalkboard side. And all the little boys would go by and they'd go... I remember thinking how pretty Miss Melanie was and I wanted to kiss Miss Melanie, but I was too shy. You can tell I'm always so shy. And so there I stood against the wall and as I made my way there, finally on the last day of class, I got enough courage, mustered it up, and I got against the wall and there I waited, patiently, moving forward one person at a time. Miss Melanie. Miss Melanie. Miss Melanie. And I got closer and closer when I got right up to her. It was my turn. I went to give her a kiss and her face was all pitted. <laughs> At least it looked that way to me. You know how when, when you've been working all day, probably ladies, the makeup doesn't seem as smooth as it used to? And I realized she had makeup on and it wasn't all natural. And I went right out the door. <laughs> she was still very pretty. And if she's listening today, Miss Melanie... You're one of my favorite teachers. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that forgetting those things which are behind, that I have to forget about Miss Melanie, or I have to forget about that vacation I took with my family, or, 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 or a football game that I happen to be the hero of, which there's not that many of those, but we're not supposed to, nor are we required to forget our whole life before Christ in that regard. But in the context of the passage, the Apostle Paul is saying, I no longer depend upon my righteousness, nor do I relive all my sinful failures and mistakes. Neither will I permit my successes of the Christian life today to hinder or impede my present progress. See, our past can weigh us down. And Paul's clear about God's plan for our lives. I mean, we're to run a race. We're to finish strong. And that cannot be accomplished if we are carrying around a bunch of baggage. See, this weight represents the past in my life. It's about 75 pounds. 
Of course, you can tell it's not very heavy for me. Okay, so it's only 20. It feels like 75. But if we're going to carry around our past all the time, we're going to run into some real problems in the future. See, he says, you've got to forget the past. This one thing I do, the Apostle Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. Well, what kind of things, sir? Well, your past sin. In John chapter 8, verse 36, the Bible says, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Although we've been forgiven, although we've been made free indeed, it seems to me that often we're very prone to drudge up our past. I mean, and that doesn't even even consider the help that the devil gives us. I mean, I'm concerned that we are often our worst enemy when it comes to these things. We look at our sin and all of a sudden we begin to be confronted with feelings of guilt and shame all over again. And when we got up from the altar or off our knees in prayer and we had accepted Christ and received Him into our life, we, we stood up free of the burden of sin and the guilt of sin and the shame of sin. But all of a sudden, every once in a while, we feel it weighing us down again. And we remember that past of sin we remember the deeds done. We remember the people hurt. And we remember how we were such a, 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 a disappointment in the lives of others. And all of a sudden, the devil says, you, you can't be used of God. Past sin can weigh you down in this journey, this race. Past sin is a weight that will ruin you. You better be careful with that past. Not only the past sin, but past failures. You know that failing is not sin. Now, it can become sin if you were told to do something and you just didn't do it and you failed because you failed to obey. That disobedience is sin. But failure itself is not sin. Do you know that anyone that's ever succeeded had to fail first? There's not one person alive that hasn't failed. We talk about Edison and he talks about how many thousands of attempts to, that he had to make the incandescent light. But he didn't look at them as failures. He looked at them as stepping stones. And ultimately he has credit for that. Fine. Past failure. See, there's no doubt that God would have us remember the past concerning His goodness, concerning His grace. But when it comes to our failures, He draws the line. Those failures can certainly motivate us to work hard, but they can also hinder us in our progress. Failures can weigh us down. They can discourage us and ultimately destroy us. How many people have you known that tried something and failed and they said, forget it, I'm done, I'll never do it again? That's a sad place to be in the Christian life. And by the way, if you're a new child of God and you've recently been saved, or if you've been journeying for a while in this thing called the Christian life, I want you to know right now, get ready, here's the truth, you're going to fail. You're going to have troubles. You're going to trip from time to time. You're going to, you're going to struggle along the way. And it's okay. Just stay in the battle. Keep on going. And don't quit. The devil's great at throwing our past failures in our face, isn't he? He tries to convince us that we're of no value to God or any value to anyone else either. What about this one? Past injustices. Forgetting those things which are behind. Past injustices. You know, Satan is the master of deception. He would have you believe that a shadow from your past is strong enough to bind you forever. Let me say that again. The devil is the master of deception. He would have you believe that a shadow from your past is strong enough to bind you forever. 
See, the reality of, uh, of hurt that men and women experience because of abuse is real. That hurt is real. It scars the soul, and even as a cut scars the body. But it need not rule your life. See, the same Jesus that calmed the storm with those simple words, peace, be still, can calm the raging storm in your soul, can give you peace and comfort and help and strength through the midst of it all. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3-5, through 5, he says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The past need not rule you. Even your hurts and your heartaches, even those abuses and those things that men and women have done cruelly and inconsiderately to others, those things that so often bind a person throughout their lifetime need not wreck and ruin their future. Because we have a Jesus who not only saved our soul, but gives us freedom and liberty to live our lives. By the way, the Bible says that you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. The truth is, is that we do not have a right to our hurts any longer. They're no longer ours. They're His. We no longer have a right to our shame and our guilt. He bought them when He purchased us with His blood. They're His to bear. His burden to carry. Because we are now His property. Therefore, every hurt that I experience and every, every pain that I suffer, in a sense, I have to say, hey, it's yours. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. It's on you, Jesus. It's yours to bear. It's no longer mine because I no longer own it. And that past so often is something we hold on to. It's almost a badge that we carry at times to say I have a right to be be bitter. I have a right to hate. I have a right to hold grudges. I have a right to act and feel the way I act and feel. But the very one that purchased your soul on Calvary is the very one that purchased your past. It is no longer yours to hold, but His to keep. The fact is that Jesus Christ is judge. And that should relieve all who have been unjustly treated in any fashion or any manner. His judgment is just and it is true. And He'll not allow the wicked to go unpunished. As a matter of fact, He states in Romans 12, 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, He says. Now that takes a step of faith to turn it over to God to truly allow Him to have it. He says, casting all your care upon Him. Why? For He careth for you. He said, it's so simple to leave the burden to give it to Jesus Christ. You simply have to give it to Him. Casting all your care. If need be, throw it at Him. But He is able to bear it up. He's strong enough to care for your burdens. And to carry the weight of your hurt. He will repay. So God is saying basically you don't have to feel responsible to make someone pay. And secondly, it's okay to move on and be happy. It's okay to move on and be happy. You don't have to bear your hurt and heartache any longer. It is mine now. God's giving you permission to focus your attention on the here and now and reaching forth into the future. You don't have to expend all that energy living in the past. See, the past will weigh you down. Past failure, injustices, past sin. It's heavy. It'll weigh you down. Not only do we see those... But also I think about 
past successes. Sometimes we misunderstand this one and we don't necessarily acknowledge it, but Paul's saying, forgetting those things which are behind. May I say that Paul was a very successful student? He had a tremendous education at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul was a very accomplished man. He could have easily went back and leaned on his past. He could have always said, well, you know what, I, I have a tremendous education. I, I've been raised up in the finest of schools. I, I've, I... Well, he could have went on and on. Even past successes can be an area that we can lean on or draw upon or look back at that ultimately hinder and hamper our present growth. Because, see, past successes can cause us to become complacent and satisfied with our present condition. And although we're, we're, we're to be content in whatsoever state we are, there ought to be a holy dissatisfaction for complacency in our life as Christians. I don't want to be where I am today, tomorrow. I don't want to be where I am next week to be where I am next month. I don't want to be next month, excuse me, next year where I am today. I want to go somewhere for Jesus Christ. I don't want to get content. And I don't want to be satisfied with where I'm at in my Christian life. It's not enough. I want more of Christ that I may know Him. We're to be reaching forth and not simply resting comfortably. Past successes can breed a sense of complacency in our life. But not only that, as we look back, we've got to be careful forgetting those things which are behind. I mean, past self-righteousness. You say, what do you mean? You know how you grew up in a religious home and you learned about how you were a good boy and good girl when you did certain things? Boy, I'll tell you what, it's easy to somehow fall back into that trap. It's easy to somehow come to the conclusion that, oh yeah, I'm saved, but by the same token, boy, if I don't do this, 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 and this, I'll lose the favor of God. Now let me, let me express something to you. There's no doubt that we are to obey the Lord and we ought to follow Christ and we need to take one step and put it in front of the other in, in, in total obedience and sincerity for Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing good in this flesh. There's nothing good in Mark O'Donnell that warrants the favor and the love of Jesus Christ. He simply loves me because, and that's all there is to it. And I know that I've accepted Him and received Him, but He made that way and He provided that plan and He gave me the propitiation of the Lord Jesus Christ and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and that day I was born again. My life was changed. I have an eternal home and a reservation in heaven. But let me tell you something. Every day I walk in this life, I serve Him because of what He's already done, not in order to gain His favor or to earn some kind of kudos from the Lord Jesus Christ. I am what I am, but by the grace of Jesus Jesus Christ. And so are you today. It's all grace. Unmerited favor. We don't deserve His goodness. We don't warrant it in our own flesh and self. It's all because of Him and His finished work on Calvary. Past self-righteousness. But what about finally the last one I want to share with you today is forgetting those things which are behind our past Ruffle a few feathers, maybe. Our past upbringing. Although we may respect our parents, and those who invested in our lives early on, as well as through our, our, our lives even, we must be very careful. Careful to give our true allegiance and loyalty to the one and only God who saved our soul and made us free. Say, what do you mean? There are times when we learn things from our parents, possibly, that go contrary to Scripture. If there's any young people in the room, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to break the news to you. I know this can be hard for you to handle, so hold on to your seats. Do you know that your parents aren't perfect? I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to have to be the one to break the news. But your parents aren't perfect. I didn't want to betray their trust, but I have to also speak the truth. Do you know that I'm not a perfect parent? <laughs> Go figure. <clears throat> Maybe we learned to speak our mind with no regard to others. Man, I grew up with a grandma who said things like, I speak my mind. And boy, did she ever. She didn't care who, it grinded into powder. God rest her soul. Loved her. And if you would have said one word against me, literally, she would have went through the roof. She'd have bought a bulldozer and tried to run you over. However, when she had, when she thought something, that was the way it was. I mean, she said things sometimes that will curl your toes. And you think to yourself, okay, even if it's true, Grandma, you didn't have to say it that way. I speak my mind. Boy, but I learned to speak my mind and sometimes hurt others in the process. Wait a second, I'm a child of God now. If I'm not careful, I can, I can be carrying around the past. My upbringing. And sometimes it slows me down in my pursuit of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The prize that He has before me. Oh, I know you say that's not a big deal. But it could be something else. And maybe it could be even a bigger one. But let me tell you, I don't know if there's ever been a bigger deal than that tongue right there. That hurts more people. Discourages more people. Destroys more people than anything in this world. Boy, my upbringing, I've got to be careful because it is the past sometimes that can hinder and hamper my pursuit in this Christian life. Possibly in your home or in your life or upbringing, somehow, some way, whether it be your parents, your grandparents, or whomever it may have been, you learned... That the end justifies the means. Well, what I mean is that it's okay to fudge on the truth as long as in the end everybody's happy. Wait a second. Thou shalt not bear false witness. What you say? Thou shalt not lie is what he's saying. Hold on, I'm a child of God. I've been bought with a price. I'm pursuing the high calling of God in Christ Jesus but I'm holding on to my upbringing. Well, I don't care what the preacher says. It doesn't matter what the book says. There are times you need to fudge on the truth. There are times you don't need to... You just, you just tell a little lie. It won't hurt. It's a little white lie. Like white witches. Last time I checked, a witch is a witch is a witch. I hope you don't live with one. But nonetheless... <clears throat> I just was saying, I wasn't insinuating anything. But the past, we need to be so careful of our upbringing even. Hold on, the Apostle Paul simply saying, forgetting those things which are behind. This one thing I do, I've got to forget my past. Because sometimes my past weighs me down. It slows me up. It keeps me from my true pursuit of the resurrected life and the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus Not only does that past slow us down, but it can tie us down and hold us back. Come on up, brother. I represent this young man's past. Someone said, he don't have a past. You don't know what he's done. Sorry, I didn't mean to tell him all about your past. But Here's how it works. Put that around your hand here. No, just grab it. Wrap it around a few times. Wrap it around. Hold tight, because I'm going to rip your arm off. Hold it tight, man. Hold it tight. Ready? Now, go that way. He's got a past. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. All right, you can stop right there. I represent the past. Let me tell you something. Don't you think for a minute that your past can't tie you down. 
hold you back. It'll hold me back. It'll hold you back. And the Bible teaches us, the Apostle Paul says, listen, we want to reach forth unto those things which are before. And if you're going to reach forth, brother, you've got to get rid of that stuff. You've got to forget the past. And now you can travel. You can go wherever God leads you now. You're not hindered. Keep going. Just get out of here. Keep going. I mean, you can just go and go and go and nothing's going to hinder or hamper your progress for Jesus Christ. You've got rid of the past. You got rid of it. You took that weight and you said, forget it. I'm shedding the weight. I'm not carrying this burden any longer. That past is holding me down. It's slowing me down. You keep that past, devil. It's not mine anymore. I'm gone. The Apostle Paul had good reason to want to get rid of the past. The Bible says in Acts 9.13 that Ananias answered, Lord. Remember, Ananias was the one that the Lord told to go get Saul after he'd just been saved. We're talking about the one that was going to Damascus to kind of gather up all the Christians. He had a reputation. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Wow, that's a past. Have you ever done anything really bad and you run into people that knew you? And they're like, so what are you doing these days? Well, uh, I, I'm a Christian now and I go to church and... Oh, you, really? Good. They're almost like shocked. You can see it in their eyes. Hey, you know what? That's how Paul felt every day of his life. People remembered the past. They couldn't shake it. They had heard the stories. They may have had family members and friends who he literally had taken off to jail. He'd go and preach somewhere down the road and they'd say, that's the guy who took my dad away from me and my mama. And I'm sure there were a few of them from time to time that would get a little upset and look at him and say, what are you doing? Why did you take my mom and my daddy from me? Paul had to say, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Because if I'll hold on to those things, they'll destroy me. I can't serve God and feel worthy to serve a risen Savior if I'm forever feeling guilty and bound by my past. Apostle Paul could have very well been tempted to depend upon his own credentials if he hadn't forgot about those things which are behind. I wonder today, I wonder this morning, is there something in your past that gnaws at you, eats at you? It may not even have been something that was your fault. But nonetheless, it, it, it's weighing you down. And when you think about serving God and you, you think about, I, I, I would love to invest my life in some of those children. I would love to be able to give myself to somebody and I'd like to be able to be a, 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 a blessing to somebody. I, but but, but uh, I can't do it. I can't. Is there that thing in your life that just constantly binds you, that holds you back? One end tied to the past, the other end to your ankle or your arm or your throat, choking the very life out of you. Can we be so bold to mention things like an abortion in the past. You feel very guilty about it. And every time you think about serving Jesus, he says, you're a mur- the devil says, you're a murderer. I want you to know that you've been liberated. Your sin is forgiven in Jesus Christ. 
You're no different than any one of us sitting here today. Every last person is on equal ground here. But the devil will lie to you and tell you you cannot be used of him because you made a mistake by sinning against God. Listen, we all have failed the Lord. We've all sinned against God. Maybe you hurt a brother or sister. You said some things that just really severed a relationship. I mean, you said, I never want to talk to you again. And now that you're a believer, you're going, I shouldn't have done that. And every time you think about going forward, it just feels like that noose gets tighter and tighter. You can't shake it. You better get it off and throw it back behind you and say, get it behind me, Satan. Just get rid of that thing. That past will hamper and hinder your progress. Maybe you had a relationship that went south. And boy, every once in a while you start to think it was my fault now that I know better. Folks, listen, there's not a whole lot you can do about your past. You can't change it. The only thing you can change is your future. And only God can do that with, and only you can do that with His help. Don't allow yourself to be bound by your past. Break free. God said you're already free. Accept that truth. Claim that promise. Count yourselves and reckon yourselves to be free indeed. For He has liberated you. What is it tonight or this morning? What is it? Because in most lives, there's something holding us back, slowing us down. May God help us to identify that in our past which keeps us from reaching forth to those things which are before. Maybe today you need to be saved. You say, what's that, preacher? What that means is simply that your sin has condemned you to an eternal place called the lake of fire. That God, being holy and righteous and perfect, cannot permit sin to dwell with Him for eternity. And as long as we hold on to our sin without confessing it to Him, without forsaking it, we must pay the price for it. He says, for the wages of sin is death. That means not only physically will we all die as proof and evidence of our sinful state, but one day we'll be eternally separated from God forever in the lake of fire. That, this is called, the Bible says in Revelation 20:14, the second death. Today, you can be free from guilt and the shame of your sin. You can be free to be a child of God if you'll only accept what Jesus did on Calvary as payment for your sin. Say, that blood that you shed, apply it to my account, my life. Be my Savior. Forgive my sin. And take me to heaven one day. He'll do it. He promised to. That's the kind of God we serve. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Father, for your goodness and grace. And yet, Lord, so often in our own lives we bind ourselves. And I don't mean to hurt anyone. I didn't mean to harm anyone in those last few moments. But, Lord, for some reason I believe, Lord, that many a person has been hindered, hampered, held up, and weighed down because of issues in their life in the past. I don't mean to drudge up old thoughts and memories, but Lord, I do want to dig up and drudge up every single thing that weighs a life down for Your glory. Because Lord, if we only hand it to You, if we only cast our cares upon You, then Lord, we'll be free of them. You've already purchased us. They're Yours already to begin with. Give us the courage to give them to You and trust You with them. Now, Lord, there may be one or more in this room that are lost without Christ. I'm glad, Lord, that there's no sin too big that you can't wash it away and give victory. Lord, you want every man and every woman to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to end up in a place called heaven with you to dwell and to live with you forever. Thank you for sending your Son. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, you'd say today in this crowd... Preacher, honestly, as you speak about the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord, I know about Him, but I've never accepted and received Him as my Savior. I couldn't honestly say that if I died today, I'm 100% sure that I'd spend my eternity 
with Jesus in heaven. I can't say that and mean it from my heart. Well, if you can't say that and mean it, I want to pray for you today. And I'd love you to come to Christ, but let me at least pray for you today. With an uplifted hand, you'd say, Preacher, that's me. I don't have that settled. I don't know that for sure. There's never been a day, a time, a place when I put my faith in Christ as Savior and Lord, having my sin forgiven. Can I pray for you? Can I see your hand very quickly? Just put it up, put it down. Very fast. Up, down. That's all. Up, down. Nothing quick. Nothing, I mean, nothing long. Just put it up and down. Hands were raised. I, I think I saw a few in the back. I'm sure there are others. Maybe I missed them. But in your heart, you know, don't you? And God does. And that's what really matters. Father, for those hands that I think I saw in the back, I pray, Father, that you'd bless those that raised hands, that acknowledged their need. And I pray, Father, for those that did not maybe even have the very courage to do so, but know in their heart that they needed to or should have. And maybe if given another opportunity, they would indeed raise their hand for prayer. But, Father, because we don't have time, we're just going to pray for them right now. Father, may you give them the very courage they need even now to allow you to forgive them and save them. May they be willing to turn their past, their life, their future even over to you by accepting and receiving your Son. And when the music begins to play in just a few moments, would you give them the strength and the courage to step out in the closest aisle, come to the front, see me, where I'll have someone, a man, if they're a man, a woman, if they're a woman, take a Bible and show them how to be saved. And Lord, in this crowd today, I know there's a number of people that, whose hearts are heavy, I'm sure. If you've lived any life, Lord, you know, Jesus, you are here. There are tremendous burdens we bear. May we, Father, truly yield our past to you today. That thing, that situation, that person, whatever it might be, that success even, that's hindering and hampering us from pursuing you and the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. As the pianist plays, won't you come? I don't have it settled, preacher. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Come on, make your way up forward quickly. We'll not belabor this. We'll not hold it off. We're just going to deal with it. Maybe you're a child of God. You just There's that thing that's in your past. There's not one thing you've ever done. I don't care if you've murdered a man. You're just going to have to get in with the Apostle Paul because that's what he did. Listen, there's no saints without Jesus Christ. We're all just sinners. That's all there is to it. Where are you at in your life? Come on, let God have your past. You say, I just don't feel worthy to serve the Lord. That's your past holding you back. That's your past. Give it to Him. What is that thing that makes you feel guilty? Unworthy. Invaluable. Or un, uh, uh, something other than valuable even. I mean, you want God to be real in your life, but you feel that, well, why should He spend any time with me? That's something in your past. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. God wants to use you. And He will use you. But you have to be willing to give Him what's rightfully His, and that's your past. Let Him have it. <clears throat> I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Why in the world aren't you up here? Do you realize that if you leave this place without Christ and you enter into eternity, you will miss the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll miss heaven? Why would you take that chance when given such a wonderful opportunity this morning. No one here would laugh at you. Nobody would make fun of you. Nobody would pass judgment on you. We simply just want to help you. Like each and every one of us if it needed help. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. I don't think you can get much worse than that, so I guess you're already one up. But then again, if you really see yourself the way you... The Apostle Paul did. You probably feel the same way. And guess what? That's a good thing. Won't you come? Let God have it.
You may not be able to see that rope that binds you to your past, but it's as real as that rope that bound that young man. You may not be able to literally see and the weight that slows you down, hinders and hampers your Christian pursuit, but it's as heavy and as real as the weight that I held in my hand today. Well, again, we certainly are glad that you could be a part of the service today. I trust that the Lord spoke to your heart and encouraged you in some way. We serve a mighty God, a forgiving God, and a God of a number of chances. Over and over again, He forgives and He permits us to continue on in His steps. And we're so grateful for a God like that. You know, He's not really in heaven with a baseball bat waiting to pounce on you. It may feel that way sometimes when you're going through it. But he really isn't. He does love you. Well, we're going to dismiss in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Mr. Yergin to come close us in a word of prayer today. And again, we'll look forward to seeing you tonight at 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you. Again, the choir will be full and we'll have a great service tonight. It won't be the same one. It'll be a different one. You won't have to listen to the same thing. We'll have a good time, though, around the Word of God and fellowshipping one with another. So tonight at 6, we'd love to have you. Our Father and God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the truth we've heard from your throne. Lord, we ask that you would help us to live by it, to grow by it, to accomplish what you would have us to do. Lord, we ask that you would bless the flock now as they travel home to their dinners or wherever they're going. We ask that you would lead, guide, and direct. Help us to accomplish what you would have us to do. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen.